Hi, I'm Carmen LaBerge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Your daily encouragement that God has the world in the hollow of his hand. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. Good morning. Good morning. It's the 1st of April, 2022. I'm Carmen LaBerge. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen on the Faith Radio Network. In case you have not yet heard this today or embraced this truth, God is love. Amen? God is love. Amen. And God is holy. Amen to that as well. So in God's holiness, is there anything that God hates? This is a provocative question that I came across this morning in my devotional time. In God's holiness, the God who is love, can he hate anything? So on this day, on this April 1st, when foolishness, mischief, deceit are all going to be celebrated and fools are going to be honored, I want us to be reminded of the wisdom of Solomon found in the book of Proverbs. Proverbs 6, verses 16 to 19 declare, There are six things that the Lord hates, seven that are an abomination to him, haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that make haste to run to evil, a false witness who breathes out lies, and one who sows discord among the brothers. Which provoked me to uh, pray this morning about how I will honor God with humble eyes, speak only truth, use my hands to bless and uphold, seek to cultivate a heart that beats for righteousness and pursues justice, offer my feet to make haste to run to the Father and to others in his love, to bear truthful witness to breathe out grace and truth, and to be a person who sows the very peace of Christ among the family of faith. So on this April Fool's Day, let me encourage you to consider Proverbs 6, 16 to 19, and let us be fools for Christ. Let us live in ways that are so contrary to the cultural tide that other people would actually take note of our oddity. Turn aside and pause for a moment. It is possible that the best we can do is provide a momentary distraction from the constant drumbeat of a world that's gone awry. But I would contest today that drumbeats are hard to ignore. So I'm happy you're here today. We're going to turn our attention to the Lord our God, to the Word of God, to the Gospel's advance. And yes, we are going to together apply the mind of Christ to the matters of the day. That's what we do here. So... um, First up, I want to spend some time with you talking about a particular fool for Christ in Finland. We have talked uh, on a prior occasion with Per Ewert about Pavi Rosanen. She's a member of the Finnish parliament. She is the chair of the Christian Democrats party. She's a former interior minister of Finland, and she has been criminally charged for daring to, well, 
speak in public about what the Bible says about male, female, human creation and God's good design for human sexual relationships. And so next we are going to um, hear from her words via an op-ed that was published yesterday after her case was heard in court. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. So a couple of international religious liberty stories to update um, us on today. We've discussed these on prior occasions, but I wanted to bring you up to date. So um, in Finland, the court has upheld the freedom of speech and religious standards in the case of um, a lawmaker and a pastor. We've talked about this story on prior occasions as a significant, serious threat to religious liberty. And I want to read to you. Um, the words of Pavi Rasanen. She's a member of the Finnish parliament. She is the chairwoman of the Christian Democrats party in Finland. And, um, and she is the former interior minister as well. She says, I am grateful for having had this chance to stand up for freedom of speech. Um, uh, the Helsinki district court today acquitted me of all three charges. The ruling in the court was unanimous. Um, and she, um, she has been acquitted, uh, and she says this, it, it is alarming that in a country that ranked third in the rule of law index, I have been criminally charged for voicing my deeply held beliefs that are based on classical Christianity. She goes on to say, I am relieved, happy, and grateful to God and to all of the people that supported me. This ruling was what I expected. Not for a second did I believe I had committed anything illegal in my writings or statements. Uh, the bishop of the mission diocese, Johannan Pohola, um, was prosecuted because he was responsible for publishing and making my pamphlet accessible on the Internet. So I am thankful that the court acquitted him also. I'm grateful for having had this chance to stand up for freedom of speech, which is an essential right in a democratic country. It's been my honor. I greatly appreciate that the court recognized in, in its ruling the importance of free speech and I hope this ruling will help prevent others from having to go through the same ordeal. She does talk about then um, how just historical this uh, this case was, this process was, and how historical this decision is, um, uh, noting that the court in Finland for the first time had to act, actually take a stand on whether or not it is legal um, to cite the Bible. And to publicly agree with what the Bible says. And so, you know, I think on that front, this is a really significant decision. And it's worthy of note um, because it's not as if she is alone in expressing her biblically aligned views about human creation, male and female creation, and human sexual relationships based on God's good design. And I think we can have the expectation that there are going to be others who think that public speech 
um, the expression of such beliefs is illegal, especially as here in America, we have uh, laws coming on the books, not only in local communities, um, but potentially nationally with the Equality Act um, in relationship to these very same things. So she says the process has been long. It's lasted three years. It has consumed time and resources, um, but it has also uh, been a time of joy. I have felt joy about being able to speak about the gospel and the atonement of Jesus during these years. I had hoped that the prosecutor would simply settle, um, but this afternoon I have heard the prosecutors will very likely appeal. Um, And so she's ready to defend the freedom of speech and religion to all necessary courts in Finland and ultimately to the European Court of Human Rights if necessary. She wants to encourage others uh, to use Uh, to use these basic rights to freely express their Christian uh, beliefs and convictions in public and online um, as a demonstration that uh, the gospel, you know, the gospel will not be covered up or squelched or um, or denied. So continued prayers on this front and a uh, and a recognition that um, these challenges face us as Christians today. Another update, this one from China. We have talked about Chinese repression and Chinese oppression um, for some time, and I wanted to bring you up to date on this. Authorities in China have launched a mass training program for censors to erase non-government religious content from China's uh, tightly controlled Internet. So uh, according to a March 21 directive um, published in a provincial ethnic and religious affairs commission Um, online publication, these online training sessions are going to begin for would-be, quote, religious content reviewers. They're going to have training sessions on religious policy and regulation under the uh, ruling Chinese Communist Party, Um, and um, it is expected that is posted even on social media is now going to be censored via um, these monitors for online religious content. So let's be praying on this front as well, because even as we have these conversations about court rulings upholding the freedom of speech and freedom of religion in democracies like Finland, um, we also recognize that in in places like China and many other places around the world, um, suppression, repression, oppression of Christian beliefs and and speech is is definitely uh, prohibited and restricted. So um, I do have a little good news uh, in terms of what happens when uh, repression occurs. And, and I'm thinking here about the way the gospel went forth when the church was first persecuted. You think of, uh, of the days of Stephen and the aftermath of that in Acts chapter 7 and 8. Well, by the persecution of China um, in Hong Kong, many Hong Kongers have found refuge in Britain. And they have brought with them a wave of evangelical renewal to the church there. So we'll cover that story next on Mornings with Carmen. Acts chapter 7 and 8 give this just incredible testimony about how the gospel spreads when the people of God spread out. So, you know, God uses the persecution of his people, their repression and oppression to extend the gospel to others. And so I want you to consider with me today 
that sometimes when we are forced forced to spread out because others oppress, suppress, or repress the faith, um, the gospel spreads as well. And so that's exactly what's going on um, right now as the people of Hong Kong have been forced to flee um, the repression of China. And um, as many as 100,000 visas were granted for British national overseas immigration for residents of Hong Kong to move to Britain. Well, guess what? Most of them, the overwhelming um, percentage of them, of these, uh, of the people who have moved anyway, um, are Christians. So even though, you know, like something like 16% of people in Hong Kong are Christian, the overwhelming majority of the people leaving Hong Kong actually are Christians, which doesn't bode well for the future of Hong Kong, but it is a surprising boon to churches in Britain. So I want you to think about uh, a, a parish of Surrey in a town called Sutton. And I want you to think there about a church that was established in 1907. And I want you to try to imagine what the people who organized that church in 1907, um, what they might have imagined their church would look like or that church would look like 100 years later. Or, I don't know, 2020, my math is bad. 113 years later. Oh, now it's 2022. 115 years later, for those of you doing math checking. So 113 years ago, I want you to imagine this group of people living in uh, Sutton in a parish called Surrey and organizing the Trinity, what is now the Trinity Wesleyan Church. And I I have a hard time that they would have imagined that the pews there would now be filled, filled by people who would, they would have understood to have been colonial subjects from the Far East. I think they would have been somewhat baffled um, that sermons are now offered in what would have been to them a very strange tongue, that very familiar texts of the Bible would be being read in what for them would be a foreign language. But it's all guided by God. It's all guided by God. And um, God's going to get himself a witness. He's going to use the way that missionaries go around the world. And then he may boomerang it back uh, to the place where those missionaries were sent uh, originally from. So I want you to just consider uh, how God is growing the church today and how he is moving his people and how he is using even the oppression or the repression or the suppression of the truth to extend the gospel. The gospel spreads when the people of God spread out. And sometimes uh, when we are forced to spread out, um, the gospel spreads in new and surprising ways. So we've been praying for revival and the renewal of the church in places like England. And God seems to be bringing it right now, at least through a, a wave of immigration from the people of Hong Kong who are, by and large, evangelical Christians. It's just a really extraordinary story. All right, there's a, um, a strange thing happening today that you uh, may appreciate being aware of. I found it interesting. The 1950, 1950 census is going to be released today. <laughs> what? What? Yeah, the 1950 census apparently... Um, the National Archives and Records Administration does this from time to time. I will just confess I don't pay attention much to what they're doing. But today, they're going to release the 1950 census records. And why are they doing this? Well, because those records include the records of 40 million people born during uh, the era of the baby boomers. And it provides a lot of information 
that uh, is, you know, I think designed to shed some light on who we were when, right? It includes World War II and the return of U.S. troops. There's a lot in the 1950 census. Uh, It's not just a snapshot in time. Uh, You know, I think it's also uh, an opportunity for us to consider just how much things have changed. Um, We have a 2020 census to which we might compare those numbers. So I would imagine that those um, sort of internal examinations will be forthcoming. All those sort of comparative um, notes will be, you know, we can expect to see those in the coming days. Here's what I wanted to highlight. When uh, when you think of the census and uh, a census being released, an old census being released, or material from an old census being released, what comes to mind as a Christian? I just have to confess to you. What leapt into my mind this morning was Luke chapter 2. The first five verses. In those days, a decree went out from Emperor Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria. That's a census. That's what they were doing. And everybody who descended from the house and the family of David went to be registered um, in the city of David, which is Bethlehem. And so there was this couple, Mary and Joseph. She was very heavy with child, and they made their way from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to the city of David to be registered. She was, as you know, expecting a very special child. So when we think about looking back at census records and we think about uh, the way churches have kept records over time, I wonder if you know um, where your birth is recorded in uh, the particular record of a particular church because it's where your family or where your parents were married. Um, or maybe you have a baptism record somewhere uh, in, in a church record book. Maybe your marriage was in a church and therefore your, uh, your marriage is recorded there as well. Um, we use records from churches a lot and as fewer and fewer people are a part of local congregations where they are having, uh, where they are being baptized or where they are getting married um, or where they are uh, celebrating death because they're celebrating the death of a person in Christ and acknowledging the resurrection unto newness of life. Um, As fewer and fewer people in the culture are having all of those records recorded in church, um, you know, annals, I do wonder, like, Where will people in the future turn when they want to find that kind of information? And you say to yourself, well, maybe they will turn to their family Bibles. And I say to you, if you don't have one, um, a family Bible is a great, uh, just a great, great, great idea. All right. um, This also brings up a conversation about nostalgia, because sometimes we're tempted to look back and stare. Uh, And so I bring you some wisdom from my mom, Ruth Ann, who would say about the past, you know, if we were seeking to live in it, She would say, it's fine to look back, but don't stare. You cannot land on that runway, which is now behind you. So there you go. A little tidbit of wisdom from my mom. Um, And I think we should say happy birthday to Bill Arnold. That's right. Today is Bill Arnold's birthday. So a happy birthday shout out to Bill. Um, Let's see. I suspect he would have been accounted for in the 1950 census. No, no, he wouldn't. No, he's not nearly that old. I'm completely off my rocker when I say that. All right, I take that back. I take that back. He he wouldn't have been in the census until, I don't know, how often do we do the census? Now now I'm embarrassed. Okay, um, I don't know. Um, remembering is good, um, even essential. And so maybe today a survey of some of the Bible verses about remembering would, uh, would behoove us. Deuteronomy 32.7. 
Remember the days of old. Consider the years of many generations. Ask your father and he will show you your elders and they will tell you. Psalm 103.2, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. The passages um, that talk about remembering what Jesus did for us um, and using that as an opportunity to look forward for the feast set before us in Christ in heaven as well. Um, Lots of passages about remembering in Deuteronomy and in Isaiah, the Psalms, Ecclesiastes says, remember also your creator in the days of your youth before the evil days come and the years draw near of which you will say, I have no pleasure in these days. Revelation talks a lot about remembering um, and not forgetting. How about this from Psalm 143.5? I remember the days of old. I meditate on all that you have done and I ponder the work of your hands. Let us remember. Let us remember today. Um, the blessings and the benefits of the Lord. And let's concern ourselves with being certain we are in a particular census, a particular accounting. And that would be the one in heaven where the book of life uh, contains the names of those who will be saved. That's the census in which I certainly want to be found today. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LaBerge. This is Faith Radio. All right. um, When you think about the gospel and when you think about Jesus and when you consider Jesus, like we each have to come to a point of decision. Is he who he claims to be? Is he who the Bible says he is? Is he who those of us who walk by faith acknowledge that he is? Or is he a lunatic, a liar? Your only other option is Lord. Um, Coming to the place of decision, the place of acknowledgement that that Jesus is who he says he is, that he actually has accomplished for us on the cross um, what God has said is accomplished, um, that is a lot to receive. It's too much for the human heart and mind to, to even bear. It leaves us on our knees, with our heads bowed, hands on the ground before us, um, bent in awe before the cross. Like that's the awe of getting to the place where you embrace who Jesus is. Sometimes very public figures come to that point in public. We're going to talk next with Dan DeWitt about Jordan Peterson and Jesus. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Now, Dan DeWitt from Cedarville University. You can find what we're talking about today at theolatte.com. Dan, welcome back. Thank you, Carmen. Happy April Fool's Day. Yeah, happy. I am a fool for Christ, and I am um, happy to make that known to others. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Um, Jordan Peterson, remind us who he is. Um, you and I are going to talk about a recent interview that um, in which Jordan Peterson makes some very uh, – 
un, probably, un, well, certainly unscripted, but maybe even a surprise to him, uh, comments about Jesus. And then uh, that obviously has some follow on um, coverage and commentary as well. So remind us, who is Jordan Peterson and why would we care what he's saying in public about Jesus? Yeah, so Jordan Peterson is one of the most fascinating public intellectuals I've, I've seen in a long time. Um, the New York Times describes him actually as the most influ- influential public intellectual in the Western world right now. So he's Canadian, and he's a psychologist, and he is— um, about everything he says becomes viral, it seems. So he's the kind of person that reflects on the kind of things we talk about, big questions that everybody has to answer. And I'm always interested to see what he has to say, even if I don't agree with him. It's always something that he's really thought deeply about. So Jordan Peterson um, might be well known to people listening um, here for the ways in which he has very directly Um, confronted the nonsense of sort of contemporary thought related to, um, well, everything from identity to the way the world works. Like he's he's just not afraid to speak very direct truth um, to what he regards as people who aren't paying enough attention, I think might be one way to say it. That's right. Um, But in this particular interview, the conversation gets very, very personal and he becomes emotional. Tell us what happened. Well, Jordan Peterson is over the last, you know, the last couple of years, his family's had a lot of challenges. And so his wife was diagnosed with kidney cancer. He had a medical crisis of his own that his his daughter writes about. I have a link to an article um, in the Worldview Reader this week um, that there's a link in the Jordan Peterson article that could get you to that. So there's been a lot going on. And over the last couple of years, he's made some really shocking statements. So recently he told Joe Rogan, he was talking about the story in Exodus of how um, the children of Israel are, God sends in poisonous snakes to bite them. And then the antidote for that is Moses lifts up an image of a snake, and um, they look at that snake to be healed. And um, Andrew Peterson says, you know, this is the kind of story that it's pointing to Jesus, clearly, he says. But he says it's weird. It's one of those impossibly weird stories that's either insane or true. And so in another interview a bit um, up at the beginning of last year, Jordan Peterson started talking about Jesus, um, and it's clear there's something going on with Peterson. And he became choked up, and he said, it becomes something with a power that transcends your ability to resist. And as he wrestled with his thoughts about Jesus, he went on to say, I probably believe that about Jesus. And he said, I'm amazed at my own belief, and I don't understand it. I still don't know what to make of it, he says, partly because it's too terrifying a reality to fully believe. I don't even know what would happen to you if you fully believed it, end quote. Yeah, well, look out, man, because you're going to become like us. Right. You're going to become like us. You're going to become like those people who can't resist talking about Jesus and who see um, the gospel applying to absolutely everything in life and um, rely not only wholeheartedly on Jesus for salvation, but recognize it sets us at liberty in this life in ways that other people literally cannot imagine. They can't. People don't. They cannot imagine what it is like to live in the freedom of Christ once you receive the good gift of God's grace in him, and you just let yourself be loved. 
Yes. Um, I, I was telling my students yesterday that we, we have to give our, as Christians, we have to give ourselves license to rest in that truth because our, our hearts will constantly condemn us. And so th- there need to be these moments that we just say, I believe from the depth of my being, God loves me and Christ died for me while I was still a sinner. And just to you know, breathe that in deeply and give ourselves a license just to feel in the deepest parts of our soul the love of God. And I think what you see with Jordan Peterson is this reluctance. He's not entirely sure what to think of Jesus, but if you listen to him in other places, there's something powerful going on. And I think part of it is what happened with C.S. Lewis, where C.S. Lewis began to see that the story of Jesus made sense of the human experience. And one of the things Jordan Peterson will point out again and again is look at this thing going on in the Bible, look at this um, theory in psychology, and uh, sometimes they'll even refer to it as doctrine. You know, this is a particular doctrine of psychology, and this perfectly lines up with the way the Bible sees the world. And we might call that the explanatory power of Christianity. And I think for Peterson, what's going on again and again is he's coming back to the story of Jesus saying, you know, there's something remarkable here, and it also makes sense of the human experience. It makes sense of the world we live in. I'm so glad you referenced um, C.S. Lewis, because I had actually made a note here about Lewis as well. Um, I just, I feel like, you know, when Lewis talks about the danger of, of atheists and choosing what they read— because, you know, if you read too widely, you're going to encounter God and his goodness and his glory, and it's going to suck you right in. Like, you'd be so, tells atheists, like, you know, be careful what you expose yourselves to. Um, I find that, uh, I, I find Jordan Peterson's acknowledgement that Jesus ultimately has the power to transcend our ability to resist. Like, I love that. I don't think that that means that it, it's any sort of compromise to the freedom of the human will. But I do think that once we... Once we recognize grace for what it is and Jesus for who he is, it is irresistible. Yeah, and I, I think C.S. Lewis is such a great example of that. I love Lewis's description of his own conversion where he says, you know, some people talk about searching for God. And Lewis said, I was no more searching for God than a mouse searches for a cat. It was the <laughs> other way around. You know, God was pursuing him. And I— I think of the quote, I believe it's from Francis Bacon, a philosopher, which the last name Bacon for a morning program like this is just glorious. So Bacon said, um, a little philosophy inclineth men's minds towards atheism, but depth in philosophy inclineth men's minds towards religion. And he's getting at this, the same thing we're talking about, that if you really look if, if you open the hood and really look at what's going on in the world and in the human experience, it doesn't point you towards there being no God. It points you to, towards this transcendent purpose, towards meaning. And then in the life of Jesus, you see all of the themes of all of human literature, these things we care about, um, courage and sacrifice and justice and forgiveness and friendship, all of these things intertwined in Jesus, and it has a way of just making sense of the world. And if you think about it deeply, it doesn't point you away from God, it points you to Him, and as Christians believe, it's because God's not standing idly by, He's pursuing us, and we can only pray that the the hound of heaven 
um, will continue to pursue Jordan Peterson. And our prayer is he, he's he's a influential public intellect, but he's a, he's a, a soul for whom Jesus died. And we should all pray for him today that the hand of heaven will will catch him. Amen. Amen. Um, we had a conversation yesterday with Jason Baxter um, about a book, a new book that he wrote called The Medieval Mind of C.S. Lewis mm. that you would totally love if you're not familiar with it yet. So I wanted to um, I wanted to share that with you because you're such a Lewis, uh, such a Lewis fan. Um, we're talking with Dan DeWitt from Cedarville University. You can find everything we're talking about today at theolatte.com. Uh, the the worldview reader this week not only has new material from um, from Dan, including the Jordan Peterson and Jesus piece we just discussed, but several other articles as well from other sources. So you're going to find there a really wonderful curated list of things to be reading to provoke you to think and to equip you for the conversations of the day. Uh, did the early Christians get the Jesus story wrong? That's a good question. Can we trust the Bible? That's another good question. Why shouldn't we trust the non-canonical gospels attributed to Peter? That's a good question as well. So um, all kinds of really good material uh, right now on the Worldview Reader at theolatte.com. When we come back, Dan and I are going to talk about another piece that he wrote, and it's, it's, a, it's on the topic of an aversion to reality. So just consider that question for a moment. Do you know people, are we living in a day and age when people have an aversion to reality, where does that lead? And can we bear the weight of reality on our own? Those conversations and that question up next here on Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LaVerge. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen on Faith Radio. Joining us, Dan DeWitt from Cedarville University. You can find what we're talking about at theolatte.com. And I now am thinking that Theo Latte should come with Francis Bacon. So there you go. Yes. Yeah. It's the, weak, the weakness of the mind at this hour of the day. Um, Dan, um, this caught your attention. And really, the, the title of the article is the jumping off point um, for the mind. So um, let's talk about... An, Oh, we just we just momentarily lost to Dan, um, but Paul Perot will get him back. So um, there was an article that caught Dan's attention, and the article is an aversion to reality, and it got Dan thinking, and it got me thinking as well. I mean, were we even designed to bear the weight of reality? I mean, we were designed to live in the fullness of the fellowship of God in the garden of in, you know in the garden in the garden of Eden is the way we uh, the way we see and perceive it. But were we designed to bear the weight of the reality in which we now live after the fall? Um, I mean, maybe it's no surprise we would have a, an aversion to reality since this is not the reality we were ultimately designed to live in. All right, we've got Dan back. Um, the title of the article caught your attention, and then I'll just let you take it from there, Dan. Um, what do you have to say about reality? Well, when I was in high school, and by the way, Paul's lead-in music to the segment brought me back to middle school at the skating rink. <laughs> so that song um, just brought me back. Um, so when I was in high school, there was a group called PM Dawn, and they had a song that was called Reality Used to Be a Friend of Mine. And I was reminded of that those lyrics when I saw the, the title of an article in the Wall Street Journal, a weekend edition, and it's called An Aversion to Reality. 
And what I was really not about that piece, it was just about the title. Although there, there is a line from the piece, um, an aversion to reality is a book review in the Wall Street Journal. And talking about this book, they have the line, Ireland could not bear too much reality, the author of that book is quoted as saying. And I just had to sit with that for a moment because I think all of us in various ways um, struggle to really face reality. And what um, Blaise Pascal, a philosopher whom I love um, from you know previous century, Pascal said that our greatest problem is that we can't sit quietly by ourselves in a room for an hour. Um, what we do is we seek distraction so that we don't face reality. And reality can indeed be crushing. The Christian has an answer to it, but we have to begin by first recognizing reality used to be a friend of mine. When um, when you delve a little more deeply into this, um, you offer up this quote from Dorothy Sayers. Um, and I'm just going to read it back to you and then let you reflect upon it. Um, and here we go. Um, it's worse than useless for Christians to talk about the importance of Christian morality unless they are prepared to take their stand upon the fundament, fundamentals of Christian theology. It is a lie to say that dogma does not matter. It matters enormously. It is fatal to let people suppose that Christianity is only a mode of feeling. It is vitally necessary to insist that it is first and foremost a rational explanation of the universe. That is an assessment of how we live in reality. Yeah, the often, and Dorothy Sayers, in the same way that C.S. Lewis did, would respond to the liberal theologians of their day who would reduce Christianity to value, um, kind of value statements. So people would say things like, uh, it really doesn't matter if Jesus's body physically rose from the dead historically. Um, what really matters is if Jesus has risen from the dead in your heart. And so they'll try to reduce the Christian message to merely something spiritual because they're embarrassed of the supernatural claims of the Bible. And both Lewis and Sayers would argue and say, no, this is actually a statement about real events, about real facts. This is a statement, first and foremost, a rational explanation of the universe, that reality is tough and hard, and it's, it's probably not going to get much better. You know, if someone's listening, we all know we're either coming out of a difficult time or in a difficult time or we're heading into one. Um, reality's rough. But if there's a God, we have an explanation for why it's so rough, right? And if Jesus truly came and is God in the flesh and died on our behalf so that we have forgiveness and meaning and purpose and rose from the dead, if that really happened, then that's what reality looks like. There's a God who loves us. We're separated from him because of our sin, but reality offers us hope because reality is a God himself who loves us and is pursuing us. I think that as we approach Easter, like this is, it's empowering for Christians to, um, just for us to just say, let's not be embarrassed about the reality of Jesus. And let's not be embarrassed about the reality of um, death on a cross as a substitutionary atonement for sin, 
um, for the reality of sin. Let's not be embarrassed by the gospel. Let's not be embarrassed by the resurrection. Let's not, I mean, let's not be embarrassed by the hope upon which we rely, in which we stand, and that we are supposed to be extending to more and more people. I mean, Jesus really is fully God and fully man. He really uh, has ascended. He really is seated at the right hand of the Father. He really is coming back again to judge the living and the dead. He really was born of a virgin. He really did die on a cross, um, sinless. Uh, I mean, he he really did rise from real death. Like, we have to get to the place where we bring those realities to bear on the realities that people are facing every single day. Absolutely. I mean, think, what a wonderful opportunity we have for our own hearts to to speak hope to ourselves in the midst of whatever we're facing. And then also for our coworkers and our neighbors to say that reality is not this cold cosmos that really doesn't care about you. I mean, the world, nature doesn't care about you. There's There's a person behind all of this um, who loves you and cares for you and those separated by your sin and we're all broken and we all have a backstory. But in this moment, reality is there, there is a person who loves you, who offers you meaning and purpose. And as Jordan Peterson said, this is the weird kind of story that's either insane or it's true. And if Jesus rose from the dead, the reality is it's true and it changes everything. All right, we can um, we can also make this appeal in the midst of like all that's going on in the world, including you know what people are facing in Ukraine. I was reminded um, just mm. yesterday of what C.S. Lewis talked about in terms of like how do we live um, in the face of the potential of atomic warfare, nuclear annihilation, and he wrote mm-hmm. about that. And what he wrote about that is completely one hundred percent applicable to uh, to how we live today. Um, and basically, he said we live. We, we, you know, we celebrate birthdays, we make dinner, we clean the house, we, um, we go to work, we glorify God, we study hard. I mean, like he talked yes. about like living, living, like go ahead and live um, because living under an atomic threat or living under the threat of um, a, a pandemic is no different than living any other day in all of human history. You know, that that reminds me, Carmen, of something I had a professor say that just stuck with me from years ago, a New Testament professor in seminary. And he said that we see in the Bible that the just shall live by faith. But another way to frame that is this. By faith, the just shall live. Mm. I love that. Dan, as always, um, it is so good. That's so good. Um, all right. As always, you're so it's such a delight to talk with you. Thank you so much. We love what you aggregate for us at theolatte.com. You guys should check out what Dan's got listed in the uh, Worldview Reader this week. You can find it all at theolatte.com. Uh, you're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LaBerge, and this is Faith Radio. Why do All right, so it is April the 1st, April Fool's Day. We have reminded ourselves that we are going to be fools for Christ in the midst of it. It's also Bill Arnold's birthday. So, you know, let's get those birthday greetings out there to um, our wonderful colleague, um, 
this is your birthday song. It isn't very long. Hey, there you go. That's what I have uh, on that front. And then um, we are reading the Bible together here at Faith Radio during Holy Week. And I would love for you to join us in that. Uh, It's an opportunity for us to experience the final days um, before Jesus's death and resurrection and read across the Gospels. What happened? Where did he go? Who did he talk with? What did he do? What did people do to him? How did people respond to him? Actually experiencing the the final week of Jesus's life walking with him. So we would love for you to read the Bible together with us during Holy Week. We have put together a study guide, um, a prayer card. There is going to be a, uh, a daily podcast as well. And you can sign up for all of that. It's completely free at MyFaithRadio.com. So would you um, would you join us in that? Um, you can also, while you're there, subscribe to the daily Reading the Bible Together podcast. And so lots of resources related to getting ourselves ready, getting ourselves ready for the events of Holy Week, the events of Good Friday, and then ultimately um, standing before an empty tomb, knowing what happened, knowing why it happened, and knowing how it applies to us. It's one thing to jump from Palm Sunday uh, to Easter, from good news to good news. It's another thing to walk through the valley of the shadow of death with Jesus in between those two points. So please do that with us. Reading the Bible together during Holy Week, you can sign up today and subscribe to the daily Reading the Bible Together podcast at MyFaithRadio.com. We've got another hour of Mornings with Carmen up next. Adam Holtz is going to be back Uh, We've got a lot to talk about with Adam, and then we're going to round out the day with Pastor Mark Batterson talking about Second Chance Month, which also starts today. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LeBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.